Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Dallas Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marla with CBIA, and today we're joined by Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner, newly appointed, <laughs> Alexandra Dom. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. We really want to give you this chance to really introduce yourself to the business community. So we know that you have been working alongside David Lehman for a couple of years mm -hmm. now, but tell us a little bit about yourself and what you did before coming to DECD. Sure. Well, um, I think most relevant to your members will be that I came from the private sector before this. So working at DECD for the last three years, which has been an amazing experience and working with Commissioner Lehman, it was an amazing experience working for this governor. It's all been great. But I'm also bringing that private sector experience from before, which I think is a good thing. And we have that throughout the administration. We have a lot of folks that are coming from outside of government to just bring that sort of fresh perspective and the business-like, the uh, urgency that sometimes comes from that private sector experience. So specifically, I came from the real estate development world, um, working as a project manager for a big multifamily developer, and also working for myself in a bunch of different capacities I'm happy to get into. So I know what it feels like to be on the other side of, uh, of the table, so to speak. I, I know what it's like to be a small business owner and, um, it's, and the ups and downs, and certainly have experienced those ups and downs myself. So I, I'm happy to bring that perspective to this job and looking forward to continuing the good work that's been going on, I think, because the good momentum and good work that's been going on over the last couple of years. What made you switch over to the public sector? It was, you know, not, it sounds cheesy, but it's just that opportunity to have a combination of making a big impact on a larger number of people, larger on the community, while also being able to keep a foot in the door of the private sector world. So DECD is that perfect intersection in my mind, where if you want to have an impact, be in public service, but also continue to be in sort of a business-esque capacity and working with business leaders, I, I think that my former job and my future job are both kind of dream jobs in that regard. And what do you think the biggest benefit is being just having that previous experience, understanding you know the business owners that you're working with? Yeah, I think it's it's very we come people frequently come to DECD with problems. I, I, I not always that makes it sound negative. You know, people come looking for something. They're looking for help. They're looking for funding. They're looking to help with permitting or whatever the case may be. Frequently, that's when people come to government. And again, I'm not complaining. We're, we're here to help. Uh, but I think it's one thing that's helpful having been on the other side of the table is to be able to just assess like, oh, yeah, I, that is a challenge. Like, that's a real challenge. I can totally understand why that would why not being able to get your permit for X, Y, Z would be slowing down your development process. And I think without having had some of the experience, I just wouldn't be able to as, assess as well. You know, OK, this is really significantly slowing down. This is a major issue for the state. If this business owner or this developer or this whoever is having this problem, it's a major issue for the state. Whereas maybe without having had that experience, you'd say, yeah, OK, sounds bad, but what's the real problem here? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other different ways in which it's helpful, but that's one that comes to mind. 
And I don't want to spend too much time talking about David Lehman, but I know, you know, during his time with the administration, you were working so closely mm -hmm. with him. So, you know, between the two of you, you really overhauled the state's approach mm -hmm. to economic development in the past couple of years. Tell me a little bit of, about that and some of the things that you feel have been so key um, accomplishments. Yeah, I think there's two, two big things, and I'll give David absolutely most of the credit on all of them and and it's fine to talk about him as much as you want he's been a great asset for the state but we also and all of it comes from the governor as well so there's those two two people that cannot be not mentioned in discussing what's gone on for the last couple of years so the two big things is one is overhauling state incentives which i think is probably what you're mentioning what you're referring to and making sure and this came very much from the top down from the governor and and, and from david we just didn't want to be giving out so much upfront capital, taxpayer money, you know, upfront to businesses without knowing what they were going to be able to do for the state. Just didn't want to see them get these incentives and then possibly not deliver on what the promises were. And many businesses did deliver on previous incentive packages that worked that way, but that we just didn't want to take the risk that businesses wouldn't um, and that we wouldn't have the right sort of checks and balances to make sure that they did. So. The overhaul has been you know, widely covered is just around performance-based incentives. So the big program that DECD has now to incentivize job growth is called JobCT. And that program is a tax roll, uh, payroll tax benefit that comes after the jobs are created. It's not, here's some money, please create some jobs. It's create the jobs and you will get a payroll tax credit in the future when we see your, when we see your payroll, when we see that you've actually hired these people and the benefits don't start until year three. So it's really, we've gotten time to show, that these companies had time to show us that they're really gonna create those jobs and have that benefit for the state. Uh, so that's the, the main thing is overhauling the way we think about incentives like that. And then the second thing that we've done, which has again, largely been due to the governor's priorities and leadership is, and the legislature, have, they've put a lot of money towards community development and towards physical investment in our communities. And DEC has been administering those programs specifically. We have a Brownfields remediation program, which remediates contaminated property to put it back onto the tax rolls and make it easier for developers to turn it into office or housing or whatever, whatever is not a contaminated pit, which is what they mostly are now. Uh, that's one place where the governor's put and the legislature have put a lot of money and we're, we've been administering it. We've had a Communities Challenge program is another grant program that's invested in transit-oriented development in our downtowns. And so those, that's been kind of the other big arm of what we've done over the last couple years that has been a de not, not a departure. The, certainly previous administrations were investing in physical developments in our cities, but we've in the last couple of years tried to put a lot of rigor around how we do that and make sure that our projects are not just kind of nice to have projects, but that we're really competitively evaluating different applications, apples to apples across each other and picking the best brownfields, communities challenge, whatever other capital improvement program applications and making sure that the ones with the best economic impact are getting funded and that we're really holding them to a high bar of creating jobs, creating tax rolls, uh, you know, creating um, grand lists, benefits and not just sort of picking projects out of the heap a little bit willy-nilly. Why do you think that this is such an important priority? You know, how does it kind of give back? The the community development part yes. that I was just talking about. Well, I think it's the physical environment in which we all work and live is really important. I That's something I, that's sort of 
almost akin to a personal philosophy of mine, but I don't think it's going out on a limb to say people care about the communities in which they live, in which they work, and in COVID, they're post-COVID, they're they're even more able to pick where they live and where they work than they were before. It used to be that, you know, the jobs were in town A, you basically had to go to town A every day. You probably wanted to live very close to town A. It's now obviously not the case. We need to make a real case to potential residents, potential employers that people want to live in Connecticut. They're not just living here because it's close to something else. We want to make the case that this is a place that you want to live in because it's it's vibrant, it's walkable or whatever it is that you're looking for. You know, we have a wide variety of environments. We have great suburbs. We have great urban environments. We have great rural environments. So we want to invest and make sure that there are there are communities here that are really compelling, that are places people want to live and work. And I think the jobs to some extent will follow. We also need to incentivize the jobs. We also need to work on the business climate. But places are very important. Their governor believes strongly in our you know strengthening our downtown, strengthening our walkable transit oriented environments and believing that we will that will be a key component to attracting more jobs and more people. Well, certainly, I know, you know, you hear it all the time. Workforce is the number one issue right now facing businesses, kind of holding them back. You know, we talk to so many business leaders who spend so much of their day focused on trying to recruit new employees, trying to make sure that they're retaining the employees they have. We have a workforce challenge. We have 100,000 roughly open jobs. And so attracting those people, there's a, a whole suite of things we need to do to attract those people. But making sure that this is a place that they want to live and work physically is one of the things that we could do. And I definitely think of that as a mandate when we're thinking about projects, uh, evaluating these grant applications for community development projects is we just recently funded a project in um, in Groton for 200 plus units in Groton. And there was, it was a very competitive communities challenge grant round. And the fact that I know that Electric Boat is having probably, probably of all of our employers has the largest, just in sheer numbers, has the largest need for hiring or certainly up there. Um, Th- that was in the back of my head as I was evaluating this application for uh, for housing funds for Groton. You might not immediately see the tie, but I'm thinking, okay, 200 plus apartments in Groton, that's places where EB new employees can live. And so it, there is a tie for sure of making sure that we're creating this po- the places that our future workers that we're trying to attack, attract want to be. And, you know, as you know, uh, this year, workforce and affordability are two of CBIA's biggest mm-hmm. legislative priorities, part of Transform Connecticut, um, you know, policy solutions. How do you think in your role, you know, you can help support some of these solutions that we're putting forward? Yeah, we can speak about specific ones specifically, but just in general, I definitely think of CBIA and DECD as partners as it relates to anything advocacy legislative, um, even just sort of thought partners from whether if even if there's not an official proposal on the table, like I frequently call Chris and say, you know, if you were to don't pull your members because I need an answer in the next 10 minutes. But you know, if you were to pull your members, what do you think they would think about X, Y, Z? So I think there's that unofficial just sort of thought partnership that that will help inform any as we're designing programs, as we're designing policies, we take into consideration CBIA and, and your members and your thoughts. And, um, and then there's formal partnership as well. Like uh, as we as we get further into the legislative session, I think there's an opportunity for DECD to 
to support some of the CBIA initiatives and vice versa in a you know, formal way. So just recently, um, you know, you stood with Chris and the governor talking a little bit about this restoring the pass-through entity tax credit mm -hmm. that was available, you know, many years ago for businesses. Tell me a little bit about why this is such a priority now. Well, this is a great example of a place where CBIA really moved the needle because, you know, Chris and, and your policy folks have been advocating for restoring the pass-through entity tax diligently, tirelessly over the past couple of years. And it's we, we hear it from other business members, uh, business community members as well, obviously. But it's a great example of the business community just making sure that their voice is heard, that you know we can't all have everything that we want. Obviously, money doesn't grow on trees. But this rose to the top of the pile is something that was really important to folks, and especially to small business owners. You know, the pastor any tax only impacts LLCs and other similar types of corporate um, of corporate structures. So, it tends to be smaller businesses, tends to be uh, single entrepreneurs as opposed to big corporations that are filing corporate tax returns. And we're thrilled to be able, and, and the governor was thrilled to be able to include the rest restoration of the credit in the proposed governor's budget and we hope that it'll we'll hope it gets through gets through all the process that we're going to go through over the next couple months but it just shows how much business and especially small business is a priority for this administration what role do you think small business plays in the you know economic success of Connecticut I, it's, it's can't be overstated uh, how important small business is to us and it is from everything from a physical component, like we've talked about so much, I'm always fixated from my background and from my passion for real estate and kind of physical environments. Small businesses are physically the backbone of our cities and our towns. And if you're walking around and, and if we're not supporting our small businesses, then our cities and towns are just gonna be kind of empty shells. We need people to fill those storefronts. We need offices, we need people to be working downtown and walking around. And so there's that extremely important component. And then of course, as employers, they're a huge component of our, they're the ma majority of Connecticut residents are employed by small and medium businesses. So we can't, as I said, overstate the importance of small business. And DEC has been prioritizing small business in lots of, lots of different ways. The most obvious one being we, in July, launched a small business boost fund, which is a loan fund. Um, that enables 4.5% interest rate loans for Connecticut businesses, uh, small and medium Connecticut businesses, Connecticut, small and medium-sized Connecticut businesses, sorry. Uh, and that's been really successful. We've done over 130 loans since the summer with the majority of them going to, uh, to women and minority-owned businesses. And it's really that access to capital mm -hmm. that businesses need now, probably more mm -hmm. than ever before. Exactly, with interest rates going up, um, you know, for the foreseeable future and certainly for the foreseeable past, uh, we wanted to make sure that people, that businesses in Connecticut had an ability to access capital. And these are, uh, the businesses have a variety of sophistication levels. It's not, you know, I, we have a lot of first time borrowers, a lot of folks for whom borrowing was not really on their radar before. It was too intimidating, too much paperwork. So there's a component of the boost fund that's also technical assistance. It's not just, here's an application, call us when you're done. We also partnered with a bunch of nine or so different community organizations that are helping small business owners actually prepare themselves to even apply in the first place because it can be very intimidating. And you know, we've heard the governor say now during the state of state, of the state really over and over again that the state's fiscal 
crisis is over. How do you see, you know, leveraging where we are now as a state fiscally into, you know, economic development mm -hmm. for the state? So we mentioned earlier the restoration of the pass-through entity tax credit to the full original amount. That's a great example of something that can only be funded because we're in a strong fiscal position. You know, it's a nice to have. It, 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 it wouldn't be a need, need to have in a year where we were really tightening the belt if we were really struggling to, to balance the budget. So that is a great example of something we know already is going to be in the governor's budget. And the governor's mentioned he's looking at and hoping to be able to do more uh, on the tax front. And that's all going to immediately help our residents, our businesses, and make it a, make Connecticut just a more exciting, more attractive place for people to live and do business. Awesome. Now, um, you know, in terms of you've kind of been preparing to be in this seat mm -hmm. uh, for some time now. And, you know, as you think about some of the things that you'd like to accomplish, when you walk away at the end mm -hmm. of the day, what are some of your biggest priorities? My biggest um, couple big priorities. One is just making sure that the word is getting out there, that Connecticut is a good place to do business. So I think we have a lot of strong fundamentals. Want to keep working on those fundamentals. Want to continue to make it a you know, high value place to do business. We're never going to be low cost, but continue to make sure that companies are getting high value out of being located here. Um, and then if they are, make sure that the word's getting out. You know, we have a great, we have so many Fortune 1000 companies headquartered here. We have so many innovative businesses, so many innovative industries, and we want to make sure that folks outside the state and frankly inside the state understand why those companies have chosen to be here, why they're choosing to stay, and all the great value that we're providing to them as a business environment. I'm not trying to avoid problems. Where there are problems, where we could be doing better, we obviously need to be doing better. But where we're doing well, I want to make sure that we're not getting penalized for it in the, in the court of public opinion. Let's get the good word out there about the good things that are going on here, the reasons that people are here, and the reasons that businesses are here. So that's an important um, improvement of business climate and improvement of business climate perception, I guess, is the short way of saying what I, the long answer I just gave you. That's one. Um, two is just strengthening our, our urban environment, strengthening our cities, you know, making sure that we're, we have such amazing suburbs and not, we're not deprioritizing them in any way, but our cities really have the opportunity to take advantage of some of the trends we've seen over the last 10 years about people wanting to live in dense or downtown environments with immediate access to retail and neighborhood services and cultural institutions. That's been a trend and our small cities are well poised to take advantage of that. We see more employers, you know, lots of good traction, especially in Stanford with employers moving to Stanford, um, certainly traction in New Haven, lots of good announcements in Hartford recently with a couple new big employers coming downtown to Hartford. Uh, let's take advantage of that and make sure that we can use these tailwinds uh, of, of this trend of moving to smaller cities at, at, to Connecticut's advantage and we're bolstering up our cities, investing in our cities, making them more vibrant and just places where we can really attract people to want to live and work. We have so many great colleges here. I think we talk to so many business owners who say our workforce is second to none. We just need the people who are getting trained here mm -hmm. to stay here. To stay, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, tourism to a degree is a really important part of mm -hmm. that. Um, is that kind of, you know, a little bit of 
an aspect of this community building program? For sure, yeah, tourism is, a, is an important part of the DCD portfolio and very similar message to what I was describing in terms of making sure all of the, all of the different environments that we have are boosted up urban, rural, suburban. Same thing with, with tourism. I want to make sure all the different tourist assets, cultural assets that we have are, are made available, are invested in, and are publicized to, the, to the, both in-state travelers and out-of-state travelers. So a good example is, you know, I think we've typically focused on come to our parks, come to our shoreline. Those things aren't going away. They're amazing. We're going to continue to, continue to publicize and continue to promote those natural resources, natural assets, but also um, to come to Parkville Market and have there's 20 different cuisines from 20 different countries in one building. I, that's my idea of tourism personally, eating 20 different things and 20 different food types in one day. Um, so we want to make sure people know about or go to New Haven, see a show, uh, stay downtown. That There's a wide array or the super rural experiences too. We have the whole we have the whole array here, and so our tourism department is focused on making sure that people understand just how much is going on in Connecticut, just how diverse we are, and there's kind of something for everyone. And in the past couple of years, what's something that you've learned the most, maybe just being in your position or from David Lehman, that you're really hoping to, you know, help push you through? So I'd say a key thing I've learned over the last couple years is just how important it is to the business community and to our municipal leaders to be able to access the state and understand, you know, our door is open and they need to really feel that. And it needs to be genuine, not just our door is open and come say something, we won't listen to you. The door is open, you can get the leaders, you can get, whether it's DEEP or the governor's office or DECD, like we are here to work with the business leaders of Connecticut and we want to hear from you. We want to hear what the problems are, how we can fix them, what's going well, what's not going well. And I think that has been, especially during COVID, we learned how important that was. I think the dialogue between industry and the state has almost never been stronger than it was during COVID, which is the silver lining of COVID, was just how much we knew, we realized we needed to talk to one another so as to not put rules in place that were truly impractical and, 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 and business leaders vice versa needed to know what we were thinking in advance so they could prepare a little bit for what the new rules were gonna be, et cetera. So that type of two-way dialogue was crucial to getting through COVID as well as I think we all did, as, as well as we did. And it's continued. I think there's been really good open access and dialogue between the business community and DECD. And that's something I want to prioritize going forward. And I give my cell phone out like candy. It's no, you know, I, and I tell people truly call anytime, call at night. If I'm asleep, I won't answer. But, you know, I, I'm never offended by getting a call or a text from someone that has a, that's a member of the Connecticut business community. It's like, I work for, I work for them. You know, I work for you. And what is the best way for business leaders to get involved? You know, what's your advice for business leaders, maybe who feel like they want to see some change, mm -hmm. who don't feel like they're heard enough? Well, I'm, I think CBIA is the answer. I mean, I, I'm not just saying that because I happen to be sitting here, but it is helpful as much as individual contact is absolutely, like, if there's a problem, we want to hear from an individual business owner, individual property owner, whatever. Um, but the most effective way is if you start to realize that, oh, this is a problem that 20 people are having, then that starts to 
say, okay, rather than just trying to problem solve and troubleshoot with this one specific situation, maybe there's an actual policy issue here or an actual, you know, something that needs to be fixed at a higher level. So I think having folks combine their voices through a group like CBIA, where it comes, it, the message gets back to the state in a super organized, super thoughtful way, usually with suggested action items as well. I mean, that's a great way for us to receive feedback selfishly. I wish everyone just said, here's the problem and here's what we think you should do about it. It's, oh, great. Um, so that's, I think that's a great way to, to get involved and to have the, your voice be heard and to make sure that we understand just how big, a, that it's a problem for a bigger percentage of the community and not just kind of a one-off a one-off issue. Well, thank you so much. We're, yeah. you know, excited to looking, we're looking forward to continuing to work with you, um, you know, on getting some of these solutions implemented and continuing to kind of harp on what's already been done. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for future podcasts. For a full list of episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.